Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we continue our sermon series, Make Room, as we think uh, upon ensuring that there is enough room for Jesus in our, our, our hearts and in our lives, that we are creating enough room to be prepared for uh, His second coming. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at a, a few things that are incredibly important uh, for us to, to, to make sure that we're keeping tabs on it, that unlike the, the inn in Bethlehem, that we would actually have room for Jesus in our lives. And the first is that we need to make sure that we're not allowing the things of this world to creep in and to start to push Jesus out. We took a look at the, the young rich man who was so attached to his material wealth that he was unable to, to follow Jesus. He had created a comfort for himself that he didn't feel the need for Jesus, and he was so attached to it. Very different to Matthew, uh, who, who did have uh, affluence and was willing to give it up to be able to follow Jesus. He saw that, um, that, that the true the true hope and joy was not found in material things, but actually found in Jesus, and he drops it, and he seeks forgiveness to follow Jesus. And it's not that the things that the, the young rich man had were, were necessarily bad within themselves. It was just that he was clinging on to them, creating that, that own self-reliance and not being able to rely on Jesus. And last week, we were looking at the idea of time and how time is short, but within the, the scope of God's timing, uh, we have eternity, and how we need to use this time here as an opportunity to be prepared for that eternity, that we wouldn't allow time to just doddle on, that we would make it count, and that we would value uh, every single day that we had here. This week, we look at something that, that affects everyone. It'll affect all of us, um, including myself. Um, and we all suffer from it to varying degrees and at different points in our life. Some people suffer from it a lot. Others, it's just a, a, a nagging thing and it might be sporadic. But when it takes hold, it can really mess up our relationship with God, our ability to be able to make that room uh, for Jesus. So as we've looked at our passage, we realize that this stuff can affect um, anyone, including those who are incredibly close to Jesus, incredibly close, those who are committed to the message of Jesus. And the issue that we're going to look at today is the, in the area of, of doubt, when we, when we have doubt. We open up the passage and we read that Jesus had finished his instructing his 12 disciples. Um, he went on from there to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. Now, over the, the past 
previous chapters, in the run-up to chapter 11, Jesus is showing his, his power over a number of things. It is over health and life and the, the casting out of, of demons. And he's now showing and teaching his disciples how to go and do these things as well as he continues on with his preaching ministry, as he proclaims the message to their cities, is what it says here in Matthew. And then we continue on and we, we come across a, a man called John who is in prison. And of course, we know that to be John the Baptist, um, who's been imprisoned on the back of uh, speaking into uh, King Herod's life and lifestyle. Um, Herod liked to hear people um, you know, tickling his ears with nice things, and then John comes in and just basically calls him out on all the things that, that he's doing wrong, specifically the marrying of his brother, uh, brother's wife. And we read in verse 2 that, that John is in this prison, um, and he hears what the Messiah is doing. It says, when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he then sends word He's obviously heard all of these things that are going on, that the casting out of demons, the, the bringing back to life, the, the restoring health to those who had incurable diseases. And it's obviously got to him, and he sends off his disciples with this question for Jesus, where he says, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? It's certainly an interesting question that John poses, given his ministry and what his ministry had been. It seems almost a strange question uh, for him to be asking Jesus. He'd not only proclaimed the Messiah, that the Messiah was coming, that it was in the midst. He then pointed to Jesus and says, that's the Messiah. He was there at Jesus' baptism. He would have heard those words coming from heaven, that this is my son with whom I am pleased. John was there, yet he asks this question, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? He's allowed doubt to start creeping in. Here he is in this prison filled with doubt. The thing is, when we think of of that word Messiah, we automatically go to Jesus. We recognize that the scriptures all point towards him, that, that it is him that is uh, our Messiah. He is the real deal, as I spoke about earlier. But back in, in that time, as I said, people had different ideas in terms of what the Messiah would be and what they would look like. And John wouldn't have been any different. He would have still had these ideas in his head of what the Messiah would be. That it would be a king who would rule over them all. Get rid of the, the Romans. Now, of course, the Messiah that we got wasn't a king in the, the kind of earthly sense. Certainly not what we were expecting. Some thought that he would be a strong warrior in the kind of vein of a, a Joshua or, or, or a King David. Someone who would be able to go and physically remove the Romans. But John has heard what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is, is doing, and none of this matches up. 
It seems strange to him. This isn't. Where's the, the expected revolution that we were going to have? And Jesus isn't even preaching a, a, a kind of violence that would incite that revolution. He's preaching about love and, and peace. Telling them to, to turn the other cheek. Don't fight back, turn the other cheek. He's also proclaiming good news to the poor, that they would be blessed. The downtrodden would be blessed. There's no golden palace where everyone is just going to live in affluence for the, the rest of eternity. None of that. It's the poor who would be blessed because they would understand that true joy, that, that deep joy, not, happy, not like a sort of happy, giggly half, but a proper joy is found not in material wealth or material things at all. It buys us freedoms in this world, but it doesn't give you that eternal joy that comes from knowing God. And God sees it as far more important where our hearts are. It's, it's not about what we have, but, but who we are. And God is, more important than, is finding that more important than what we have. But not only that, Jesus is saying that the blessings will come to everyone. Everyone. John is sitting in this prison, probably mightily confused. What is going on? And that's what prompts him to ask this question. Are you for real? The expectations are not matching up with the reality at all. You know, why is he stuck in this prison while, while Jesus is out there preaching? John has dedicated his life to God. Why is he stuck in this prison? So he sends his disciples off with that question to Jesus. Essentially wondering, where, where's this Messiah? Where's this Messiah that was going to come in with fiery judgment and rescue us? Where's the revolution? What's this preaching love and hope? And as John is sitting there in the prison, he's allowing doubt to start to creep in. He's warping what he has seen, what he has heard, what God has revealed to him through the Holy Spirit. He's starting to warp all of that in his mind. And it may well be that it's more than just doubt. He's probably feeling embarrassed as well. You know, when we, no pun intended, we stick our neck out for something. And it doesn't happen or it doesn't work out the way we think it is. We might get embarrassed. People might think of us as a fool. You know, he'd spent his entire life to God, serving God pointing towards the Messiah, preparing the way for the Lord. He's so committed to it. He'd put, as I say, he's put his neck on the line that Jesus is the one, very publicly. Yet now here he is stuck in this prison and allowing doubt to, to creep in and it's beginning to do its work within him. He's now forgetting what he's seen. Forgetting his heart. 
He's now starting to question it all. Is this worth it? What is Jesus all about? And the thing is, so often we can find ourselves in metaphorical prisons where we maybe feel shut off or we feel that God is is distant to us and we don't know where to turn. And it's in those times that doubt starts to creep into our life. You know, we might start asking those same questions that John does, you know. Is Jesus who he says he is? Are these truths true? Will God fulfill the promises that he makes? You know, we can start to, to let doubt creep in and to start going to work in our life. It can start off very small and then it starts to grow and grow. And then we start to push Jesus out. And that doubt starts to get bigger and bigger and we start to fill it with other things. There's no room for for Jesus in our life. But as we continue our reading, it's really interesting that that Jesus doesn't give John a, a yes or a no answer. He doesn't give that yes or no answer. We might have expected Jesus to say, well, of course I am, you were there. You know this. You've fulfilled your part of the ministry, which was to to prepare the way for me. Of course I am. But he doesn't do that. He turns it back on John. John will come to the conclusion for himself. Jesus says, as we continue on, as Jesus is speaking to John's disciples, He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Jesus is saying, go and tell John what you have have seen and what you hear. You are the healing of the sick, the, the casting out of demons, the raising from the dead the forgiving of sins, the preaching to the poor. You see, Jesus not giving that yes or no answer allows John to to reflect and to ponder on what his disciples are going to come back and tell him. And the thing is, all of these things, John would have understood. He would be able to remember the prophecies of Isaiah. All of the the marvels that took place while he was in the wilderness, spending time with God, being prepared. His own personal experience with God. He'll be reminded of the man, his cousin, Jesus, and the baptism. The man that he'd placed his faith in those many years ago. Now, of course, it would be natural for John to be frustrated as he is sitting there in this prison. It's it's understandable. You know, and there's Jesus out out preaching. He's the one that's saying all of this stuff. And here's me stuck in this prison. And even worse, Jesus is preaching forgiveness for all people. Not just a small group of people, all people. And that includes the Romans. 
this group of people that so many people thought the Messiah would come and get rid of. And here's Jesus saying, we need to turn, turn the other cheek. We need to forgive them. And of course, the Romans are indirectly um, at fault in the reason why John is in the, the prison. Herod is a Roman appointment. But here's a side note. Does the Roman Empire still exist today? Sure, we might see remnants of it, and they had a huge influence on our culture. But they don't exist in the way that they, do, they did back then. In fact, no empire lasts forever. But God's kingdom does. God's kingdom does. Jesus said that his empire and his kingdom would last forever, and it does. But it just hasn't worked out for John and the people in the way that they expected it to. And so often that's when doubts can start to creep in, when things don't pan out how we expect them to. Sometimes it can be uh, it exceeds our expectations or it's much better than what we expected, and that's great. But it's when it goes the other way that we start to doubt ourselves and, and indeed God. You know, I was speaking with someone through the week and I was talking to them about how comparison uh, is the thief of joy. You know, comparison is a thief of joy. When we look to what other people have or what, what other people do and fail to see the value and appreciate the things that that we have and the things that, that we do, it can really steal our joy when we start to compare ourselves. And the thing is, sometimes that can happen when we look to the, the relationship that other people have with God. You know, we might look at their um, relationship with Jesus and think that ours is somehow smaller or, or, or insignificant compared to theirs. But the relationship that they have with God is theirs, and the one that you have is yours. You don't have any control over how, how their relationship goes, but you have control over your own. And you need to appreciate and value what you have rather than comparing it to someone else. We're all different. You know, just as Jesus pushes back onto John, to have that, that period of, of reflection, to come to the conclusion himself. He does that to us as well. Sometimes God gives us a yes or a no answer. Sometimes it's a, I'll be with you while you work that out. Sometimes that's helpful, sometimes it's not. I'm aware of that. But so often God wants us to get to conclusions ourselves and rely on him and allow the spirit to guide us. John would eventually come to that resounding yes that Jesus is the Messiah. But it took him a bit of time. And the thing is, life can be tough at times. Sometimes it's tough for a long period of time and then other times it's just tough for a, for a wee while. 
But sometimes we might think that if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then automatically life becomes rosy and uh, that we have no problems and we are going to um, be affluent and everything's going to be great. Is that how it works? Unfortunately not. You know, as I said before, you know, contrary to popular belief, Christians aren't immune from the struggles of this world. It's hard. But the thing is, sometimes even following Jesus can be a, a, a real thorn in our side. It can be something that can create issues for us. You know, the, this scripture reading in, in particular is a, a reminder to us that none of us are immune from it. You know, there will be struggles in life and we, we may well find ourselves maybe not in a, a, a real prison like, like John was, but certainly a metaphorical one where we feel st struck off and, and alone. And we might start having those same doubts that John did. One of the interesting things from Jesus' answer is, and I don't know if John was maybe expecting it because I would probably expect it, that Jesus would say all he said and then as a tagline say, and I'll be there next week to break you out of that prison. I'm going to probably reckon that John was hoping that that was what was going to come. I know I certainly would have expected that. Clearly Jesus could have done it. He could have done it. But he just says, go and tell John what you've heard and seen. He doesn't say, I'll be there next week and we'll break out and it'll be fine. And we might think that that is incredibly cruel. We might think that Jesus should have went away and broke him out of the, the prison. Certainly John's, what was going to come up for John was particularly brutal. And so many times we wish that Jesus would just come and swing and, and, and take us out of, of a, a, a period of, of real struggle. Or even better, don't let us get into that period of struggle. But Jesus clearly was working in John's best interest. What he felt was the best thing for John. That he would come to peace. That the doubt would go. That he would fully appreciate who Jesus was. That he would understand the, the prophecies of Isaiah. Recognize that his ministry wasn't a bust. That, that he had done the right thing in preparing the way for the Lord. That God saw it and was, and was so thankful for John's obedience to that call. That those prophecies in Isaiah that, that speak of the, the lame being able to walk and the, that sight would be restored to the blind. Jesus is saying, John, I'm opening your eyes. Please see this for what it is. And John would come to that realization eventually before that relationship was completely ruined, that doubt had ruined it beyond any reconciliation. But the thing is, life is very rarely a straight path. It's very rarely a straight path. And it can become really difficult at times. I'm aware of that. And it's in those times that we must rely on our faith. And that's why it's so important that as we go through this uh, short sermon series in the run-up to Christmas that, 
that we're taking seriously the, the opportunity to prepare ourselves, that when we do hit these struggles, that we don't allow doubt to creep in, that our faith is, is strong and it's built on, on solid foundations. You see, our passage ends at verse 6, where it says, And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. You know, another way of translating what Jesus is saying here is, Blessed is the one who doesn't fall away from me. Or, Blessed is the one who doesn't trip up in their faith journey by allowing doubt to creep in and steal away their, their faith and their joy and their hope. And it's in those times where we are far from being on a, a straight path, one that seems to be filled with bumps in the road, where we might find ourselves in that metaphorical prison, that we too don't allow that doubt to creep in. We may well have the same questions that John has, but we need to remember that Jesus is with us and wanting to get us back to that place where we're, our eyes will be open. That we'll be able to keep walking. We need to understand that, that none of it is God's fault. God didn't do it to us. You know, I'm aware of certain preachers and theo theologies that, that would dictate that the bad things that happen to you are because of um, God punishing you. And that's a that's a nonsense. None of that is from God. And we need to remind ourselves that we would accept the truths and the promises of God. We would be able to see what God is doing in our lives. We don't compare it to someone else, but we actually see and recognize the amazing things that God has done in our life. That we might never get to that point where we start to push Jesus out and look to fill it with other things. But the thing is, we may well have got to a point where we stop getting together with other Christian brothers and sisters. We don't want to be around them because we start to compare too strongly and it's too painful. It might be that we stop going to church to worship might be that we stop doing various things and just start pulling ourselves further and further away. And it might just be one week at a time and then it starts to build and build and build. We don't even realize and we don't see that it's getting worse and worse and worse the further we walk away. Where we place Jesus somewhere kind of over there in our life rather than right here the place that he wants, that we need to make room for. We might start to think that none of this stuff is worth it and say, I'm done. I'm done with it. And I guess that's where John would have been at the beginning of our passage, where he was thinking, I'm done. I can't believe this. Questioning everything that he had seen, everything that he believed. And he's got to that point where the doubt has started to really take over that he then sends this question to Jesus. Is Jesus the one? 
And I don't know where you are this morning. As always, I hope that you are in a good place with your faith. I hope that you're creating that room for Jesus. I hope that your, your path is relatively straight. I know that it won't be completely straight, but that it's relatively straight. I'm aware that there is a, a lot of things going on at this time of year, a lot of things that go on in life, and you might be feeling the doubts starting to creep in. You might not be sure. The answer to that question is Jesus the one. But I hope that as we've opened up this passage this morning that it would be a a reminder to you that that our doubts, our, our fears, they don't disqualify us from salvation. Jesus is always offering us that other chance. He's wanting us to see. He's wanting to open up the truth to us. You know, and as we get ever closer to celebrating the birth of Jesus, that reminder to us that God is with us, Emmanuel, that we would come to the conclusion, the same conclusion that John does, that God never abandons us, that God is with us in our prisons. He wants to be there in our situation. God never puts us there. And that in times of of doubt, Jesus is with us and he wants us to know that we, we might be constantly reminded of all the things that God has done in our life. That we're able to hold on to the the promises and the truths that we find in here in the Bible that we're spending time learning this stuff, that when we do find ourselves in that period of doubt, that we're able to draw on it, that our faith is on a, a strong foundation, that God is with us, and that Jesus is the one. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are the one. We're thankful that you are with us always. And we are sorry that we that we do allow doubt to, to creep in, to start pushing you off to the side, allowing it to warp our, our knowledge of you. And Lord, we pray that by your Spirit in those times that you would open our eyes to your truth. That we would be able to continue to walk the journey that you have for us. We thank you for this this amazing passage that reminds us that, that even when we think we're solid, that we've got it all figured out, that those periods of doubt can still creep in. That even those that are the closest to Jesus still struggle with this stuff. So Lord, as we continue to 
to work on that preparation of celebrating your first coming. We pray that we would be better prepared for your second coming. So Lord, would you be with us this week? Indeed, if there are any of us in this church family that that need to get back on that straight road, we pray that you would be with them, surround them. Lord, we are so thankful for everything that you do and everything that you will do. You are the real deal. And Jesus, you are the one. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.